If you will, turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to be in Psalms for uh, the next few weeks here, probably the next five or six weeks. And so if you will, turn to Psalm chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible, uh, look in front of you and grab one of those pew Bibles and take it as your own if you do not own a Bible. And you can turn to page 449. The thing I love about Psalms is when we're in a crowd and you know you've got to open up to a book, uh, you know that you can just open up to the middle of your Bible and, and close to there is Psalms. So Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And as you're turning there, I'll just remind you uh, of this story. Maybe some of you have the same experience, but as a kid, I loved cereal, all different types of cereal. I mean, I loved chocolate cocoa puffs. Those were the best. And uh, the thing I loved about it the most was when you were finished, you didn't have chocolate milk, which then you were blessed to then receive. Um, and, but I loved the toys that came inside of the boxes. And so, uh, as you can imagine, and maybe this is how it is in your home, you have a bunch of unfinished cereal boxes um, stacked and stacked deep in your pantry. That was the Anderson household. One of my favorite toys was the secret decoder um, that you would dig deep into the box, and then on the back it had these codes, and you only, if you had the secret decoder, then you could figure out the codes on the back. And I remember that being one of my favorite toys. And today, uh, we kind of see that with Psalm chapter 1, that Psalm chapter 1 opens up the rest of Psalms for us. If you really want to understand Psalms, you must understand Psalm chapter 1. If you really want to understand life, you must understand Psalm chapter 1. If you want a strong foundation for your life, it's Psalms chapter 1. So read with me here in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. And so as we read Psalm chapter 1, it really leaves us with a question. Are you flourishing or perishing? And that can be the title of today if you want to write that, if you're taking notes. Are you flourishing or are you perishing? And it's really a probing question because on this planet... On this earth, in the air that we breathe, you have those who are flourishing and perishing. Those who flourish and those who perish share the same neighborhoods. They shop in the same grocery store or stores, depending upon what you need to go and get. They attend the same sporting events and they celebrate many of the same holidays. In fact, those who are flourishing and those who are perishing even attend the same local church. And yet, as for many, they also live in the same home. And so it's vitally important that we understand the answer to this question. And how can we know the answer to this question? So we'll kind of look at three things today. Uh, The question, uh, we'll look at the comparison, 
and then we'll look at the end result. So first, let's start with the question as we look back in verse 1. Blessed is the man. Now, you say, there's no question mark here, Brian. So how is there a question? Well, it leads us to question, who is the blessed man? Is that us? Because quickly when we begin to read this and we go, hey, I'm, I'm not really walking in the counsel of the wicked. I'm not really standing in the way of sinners. And I'm not sitting in the seat of scoffers or am I? Who is the blessed man? Well, to understand who the blessed man is, we need to understand what it means to be blessed. Because we use that word blessed in many different ways. Like if we're about to gossip about somebody, we say, oh, bless their heart. And then comes the news, right? I know none of us in this room do that. So that was not applicable to us. But anyway, but blessed means beyond happy. Beyond happy. It means to be firmly rooted in God's word, which means to be firmly rooted in God. That's what blessed means, to be the blessed man. And, and we know that as we see here in verse one, the blessed man flourishes. Here's how we know he flourishes, because he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't follow the wicked ways of the world. He does not stand in the way of sinners, meaning he's not associated with sinners. And he does not sit in the seat of scoffers, meaning he does not mock God. And to this we go, uh-oh, we have a problem. Everyone in this room, everyone in the world, everyone who's ever been born has a problem because we are that man. Not the blessed man. We're the man that's described in this downward spiral of destruction. We begin with just having an association, and then it moves more to sitting and being a part, to then we are the ones mocking God. Maybe you have a testimony to where you used to mock Christians. You used to mock God. Maybe you mocked family members who followed Christ. Or you say, man, no, that wasn't me, but I guarantee you, if we were to look at every day of your life, there is a day and many days when you have mocked God. But there's one who has not mocked God, and that's the blessed man. So if you're reading this and you're thinking, hey, I'm the blessed man, that's easy, that's an easy answer, man. I don't do these things. I'm not on that downward spiral. None of us fit this description of the blessed man. Everyone since Adam. I mean, it begins with Adam, and it carries on from Adam. Every single person except one, only one who did not come from Adam, and that's Jesus Christ, the second Adam we see in Romans chapter 5. And so Psalm 1-1 is like neon lights just pointing to Jesus, saying the blessed man is Jesus Christ. It's not you. It's not me. None of us could feel this Role. He walked on this earth. He walked before sinners. He walked before the wicked without sinning. He did not follow the wicked, but he came to set the wicked captive free. This is what Jesus came to do. And he stands as the gatekeeper for all of his sheep. As his sheep come and they know his voice. And all those who are not his sheep are on the outside, and they would have to get through Jesus, but they can't get through Jesus because they deny Jesus. They don't trust in what Jesus has done for them as the good shepherd. So he stands there as the gatekeeper for his sheep, and he is sitting, but not sitting and mocking God, not scoffing God. No, he honored God the Father, and he is now sitting at the right hand of the throne 
of God, showing that God the Father is pleased in what his Son has done. This is the blessed man. So as we said, Psalm chapter 1 is the foundation for all the other Psalms. So for you to understand what goes forth from here, you must understand chapter 1. You must understand who the blessed man is. And it's also the foundation for every Christ follower. This book was probably written by David. That's what the popular opinion is. And if that's the case, it was written a thousand years before Christ came. And so 1,000 years before Christ comes, we see David writing of the blessed man as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this psalm. So we come to this point and we ask another question. How can we be blessed? If we've been on this downward spiral of destruction, how can we be with the blessed man? How can we enjoy God's special favor and grace? Well, we want to quickly turn to something we can do, right? More things that we can add to our list that God would be pleased with and say, wow, you have done a lot lately. This is great. I'm going to consider you blessed. But no, it's not in your works. It's not in your works at all. It's all in the works of Jesus Christ and only his works. First Peter 2, 22. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. His works did not include him sinning. He did not sin. First John 3, 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. This can only be said of Jesus in and of himself. In him was no sin. So what do we do with this good news that we hear today? If you're here perishing, what can you do with this good news? You can repent and follow Jesus. You can repent of being the man who is on the downward spiral, the one who stands in the way of the wicked and sits with the sinners and there scoffs at God. Thinking that you don't need God or that Jesus didn't pay it all for you or Jesus is just one of many gods, however you would view this. But today, if you hear this and you're going, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one. He is the blessed man. It's you putting your faith and trust in Jesus. So that's how we can come underneath the headship of Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. See, there's a struggle that we have internally where we go, yeah, maybe that person would be saved or maybe this group of people over here would be saved, but I don't know about me. But see, it's not based on you. It's not based on your strength. It's not based on your doubts. It's based on the powerful word of God. And his word tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart these things that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a promise. And then verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He confesses and is saved. So if you believe this good news in your heart and you make the good confession, you are saved. And, and I, I will stand before you. I, I don't believe in the magical prayer. Did you pray the prayer? I think we just need to kick that out of our vocabulary, our language, 
And when we describe salvation, did you pray the prayer? Because we, we look at this prayer as the end all. No, it is believing in your heart that he is Lord and making the good confession that he is Lord, that you are saved. So maybe you're struggling with whether you're following Christ or not. Do you believe this and what we see in Scripture? Do you believe that Jesus is the blessed man? If you do, make the good confession. Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So understand this. If you were to follow Christ, to be a Christ follower, this is it. You serve him for his good pleasure. Are you ready to die to your pleasures so that you may live for the pleasure of God? That everything that happens in your life is for his pleasure, for his name's sake, for his glory. That's salvation. It's not for the betterment of your life so that things will be easier for you, easier to maintain, easier to swallow. No, it is for his glory for his name, for his purpose. And so when we join together under the blessed man, we will delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. True pleasure is not found in the party of the wicked, but in the peace of Christ. Maybe right now you're trying to find some pleasure, some happiness, some hope, and You're looking to people to fill that. You're looking to a crowd. You're looking to a person. Look to Jesus. Find the peace of Christ only in him. It is in Christ where we find our joy as we enjoy God forever. You want joy? Enjoy God. That is where you find this hope. But here is the truth. If you don't enjoy God, then you will not enjoy God's word. Many people struggle reading the Bible. But when we come to singing songs, we can sing songs and we have our favorite songs within the church. We have our favorite hymns. We have our favorite praise songs, our our new songs, our old songs. I was talking to one of our members. They went to a concert last night and they sang Jesus Freak. And I was like, man, that brings back memories right there. You have your favorite songs. And we even sang songs tonight, today, and, and whether you realize what you were singing, you can get carried away in the melody. The music can be beautiful. You can enjoy that and not even realize what you're singing. But when it comes to studying the Bible, there's no music. It's just you before the Lord. And what drives you to the Bible is your love for God. And so if you don't love God, you will not love his word. Now, you can read his word, to discover him, and that's vitally important. If you're sharing the gospel with somebody, lead them to the word of God, that they may read the word, that they may trust in his word and follow Christ, that the Holy Spirit may work as they read. But as Christians, if you're not loving God, you will not come to the Bible. You will not. Maybe you'll do it so that you can check it off and feel better about yourself, but that's loving yourself. That's not loving God. John Piper says, you cannot submit to a divine law whose first commandment you hate. You shall have no other gods before yourself. And so if you have other gods before yourself, how can you submit to the word of God when you're hating God? 
The blessed man delights in the word of God. He is pleased with the word of God. Jesus was pleased with the word of God. He was the word become flesh. But we see in Luke twenty two forty two, as he's going to the cross, he says, not my will be done, your will be done. Your will, Father, that's what I want. That's the word of God. Your will be done in my life for your pleasure, for your name's sake. Jesus is our model for this. The delighting in the word of God. And that wasn't pleasurable for Jesus to go to the cross. That wasn't easy for Jesus to go to the cross. But he wanted to honor God because he loved God the Father. The blessed man also meditates on the word the Lord, day and night. You may be a fan of reading the word in the morning. You may be a a fan of reading the word at night. But when we see in the Bible what we're to do with the word, we're to meditate on it. We are to think about it. You want to be a a good, uh, let me think of my words here, how to be better at meditating? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And we're pretty good worriers. We go over it and over and over. We look at it from this angle and this angle and this angle and this angle. When you get to the Bible, do the same with the word, but soak up the truth and do not be led astray by your worry. And so he meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. Not only does he enjoy it, he entrusts his life to it. He is held captive to it. He is given over in custody to it. He submits to the authority of the Bible those who are blessed in Christ. He is given unto the custody of God's instruction so that he does not encounter destruction. So this meditation is not a form of emptying ourselves. You know, when you sit there and you meditate, and and you may have seen this um, in certain exercises that you may do or or whatever it may be, and you, you see meditation is just clearing the mind. Nowhere do we see that we are to clear our minds. It doesn't work that way. You just clear your mind in and of yourself, and the enemy will fill it with all kinds of junk. Salvation is not in just you clearing your mind. You're just thinking of nothing. I mean, what a waste of time that is. Has anybody ever said, just, just relax, just think of nothing right now? Like, how is that even possible to think of nothing? I mean, what is nothing? It's just some blank, black hole. I mean, what, what is it? But no, we, we fill our minds with Christ. That's meditation, filling our minds with Christ. And in that, as we fill our minds with Christ, he drives out the wickedness of sin. In fact, there is no other way to drive out sin than to be filled with Christ and to fill our minds with Christ, to meditate on his word. And so because we have such great apathy when it comes to the Bible, and some of you are very strong in the Bible. You read the Bible often, but yet I must confess that I am one of them among many that don't get it sometimes. We struggle with our love for the Word. I want to share the story with you of a man named Dmitri, who grew up in Russia during the USSR, and he was just an ordinary man. Uh, he attended church, but then it became illegal to attend church. This story comes from the insanity of God by Nip Ripkin. If you haven't read that book, write it down, The Insanity of God. Get you a copy. I highly encourage you to read it. But in this story that Nip tells, he's interviewing this man who led his family in really a home, a house church, because it was several miles away to get to the nearest church. And it was illegal to go to church during this time of communism. And so 
he went to his wife and he said, honey, I believe that we should, uh, I should lead in the reading of the scriptures and we should sing songs together. We need to do this for our boys. Can we do this once a week? And she said, I'm so glad that you asked. She said, I've been praying for God to lead this on your heart. And so they gathered together and they began to read the scripture together and sing the songs. And the boys enjoyed it so much that they went and, and did it more than once a week. They continued to sing more and more, and because people lived in close quarters and windows open, people heard them singing about Jesus. And they heard the reading of the scripture, and there was a knock on their door, and somebody says, we hear what you're doing, can we come join you? And Demetrius says, no, 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 I'm not a pastor. And they said, that's okay, you're, you're reading the word and you're singing songs, we want to join you. So it went from four or five to ten And then from there, it began to grow more to 40, to 50 people. All of a sudden, there was a knock on the door. But this person didn't want to come join in the house church. They wanted to find out what was going on. And as they came there, the officer said, you know that this is illegal to have a church. And Demetrius says, I'm not a pastor. And I'm just reading the word. We're just singing songs. That's it. He says, this is illegal. You cut it out or you'll go to jail. And they kept going and kept going, and then it grew even more to 75. And at this time, the man comes busting through the door, and he's so angry, and he takes him, and he says, that's it, you're gone, you're going to jail. And he takes him away, and as he's taking him away, there's an old lady that stands up, and she waves her finger in the officer's face, and she said, this is a man of God, you will face death soon. Two days later, that officer died. They take Dimitri to prison, and he's there in this cell, and he's on his bed, and he barely has any room to his toilet that's in the corner, and then his little uh, sink that's right here, and then here's the door, and every day, to keep him from going crazy, and to keep him focusing on Christ, he said he would do two things. One of those things is that he would stand up, he would face the east, and he would sing songs to the Lord, called heart songs. Just praise to the Lord. And as he began to do this, in this prison, there were 1,500 other prisoners. But these men did not love Jesus. They were criminals. And they would begin to hit their cups against the bars. And they would begin to take human waste and throw it at Dimitri and tell him to shut his mouth. They would mock him. But every day, he would stand up and he would sing praises to the Lord. But that was just one of the things he would do. The second thing is that anytime he found a scrap of paper, he would pick it up and he would begin to write every verse that he could remember and every song that he could remember. Just any scrap he could find with any piece of pencil or charcoal. And then there was a a wet piece of ceiling that that was right there in the corner uh, from dripping. And and he would take this paper and you stick it up in the corner there as an offering to the Lord, as praise to God. And then the guard would come by and he'd see that piece of paper stuck there and he'd take it down. He said, what is this? And he'd begin to read it. And then they would take Dimitri out and they would begin to beat him. And then he'd find another piece of scrap paper. He'd write more scripture and he'd put it up in the corner. Finally, they said, Dimitri, your family has left you. They don't love you. He'd been in prison 17 years. They don't love you. They don't care for you. You might as well just give up. And at that point, it had been 17 years. And Dimitri says, I'm at the end my rope here. Okay, I'll agree. And, and, and the confession was that he would sign to say he was from America and that he was an American spy. 
And that's what this whole Christianity thing was about. And so the next, or during that night, he was praying. And he didn't want to give up. And he said he believed that God allowed him to hear the prayers of his wife and his children and his brother who were praying for him a thousand kilometers away. And he was so encouraged that the next day he stood up straight. When they came in, they brought the paper. And he says, I will not sign that paper. And they said, what gives? You were ready to sign this. And he said, last night the Lord allowed me to hear my wife and my children and my brother praying for me. You lied to me. They're alive. I will not give up. And this angered them. So they began to beat him more. One day he was out in the courtyard and he found a whole sheet of paper. A whole sheet of paper with a pencil beside it. He said, God blessed me with a whole sheet of paper and a pencil, and I knew what I needed to do, but I knew it probably wasn't smart. And he filled up the whole front sheet of the paper and then the whole back sheet of the paper with all the scripture that he knew, all the songs that he could recall. And he filled it up and he stuck it to the corner right there. And then all of a sudden, here comes a guard, and he looks at this big piece of paper right there, and he takes it down, and he says, Dimitri, that's it. Today, you die. And they take him out of the cell, and as they begin to take him out of the cell, all of a sudden, all 1,500 criminals stand up, they face the east, and begin to praise God. And the guards stop, and they look at Dimitri, and they say, who are you? And he says, I am a son of God. And his name is Jesus. And right after that, they released him. And he went home to be with his family. This is one of thousands of stories that are happening today. Today. And we go, man, Maybe I could quote a few scripture references. You know, I think we need to get past the point to where I think we've been politically correct in the church. You know, we want to point to our nation and talk about them being so politically correct. But yet I think we've been a little soft when it comes to our studying of the word of God. Don't you? If I gave you a whole sheet of paper, front and back, Do you think you could fill it up with Scripture, all the Scripture that you know, all the songs that you know, and give it to praise to the Lord? Do you think you could do that by by memory because it's hidden in your heart, because you love God? Could you do this? Could you maybe take a scrap of paper and start filling it up with the verses that you know, front and back? It's enough. It is enough, church. When we say, I can't meditate, I can't memorize Scripture, I'm just not gifted that way. You're speaking a lie when you say that. I'm speaking a lie when I say that. You have been gifted with the Holy Spirit. As Dimitri can memorize the word and hide it in his heart, so can we. Will it take intense persecution for us to truly have this love and devotion to God's word? Or can we possibly have it in our freedom at any time during the day when we can pick up the word of God and read it? Here, the psalmist says, day and night. I I delight in your word. I meditate on your word. And here is the comparison. So the question was, who's the blessed man? Quickly, here is the comparison of a man who is a tree and a man who is chaff. So in verses 3 and 4, those who love the word and meditate on the word, he is like a, a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. 
So here we see that the blessed man is a tree. He is firmly rooted, he is fruitful, and he is faithful. First, he's firmly rooted. Notice that the tree has been planted. The tree didn't naturally grow up there. The tree had to be planted by the streams of water. Why? Because it did not have its original roots by the stream of water. As one commentary put it, no man is by nature a friend of God. All of us in Christ had to be planted by the streams of Christ. By God's grace, we did not grow up naturally as a tree. As trees of righteousness. If we were, then there would be no need for the true blessed man, Jesus Christ. So Christian, you have been planted by the streams of water. Ephesians 3.17 says that we've been rooted and grounded in love. What, for what purpose? To be filled with all the fullness of God in verse 19. This shows that there's security in our salvation, that once you are planted, you remain planted. You will not be uprooted. So, you're firmly rooted, planted with a purpose for growth, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who have been called according to his purpose. Your salvation has a purpose, and it's not about your purpose. It's about his purpose for your life, for his good for your life. So you're going to face incredible difficulties, but yet you can still be rooted. You will not be uprooted during those hard times because you've been planted with a purpose. And not only have you been planted with a purpose, but you are fruitful. Galatians 5.22, we see the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We see this fruit on the tree of the blessed man, of the true believer. There is growth in Christ Jesus. Is there growth in your life, Christian? When people look in your life, do they see the joy? Do they see the love? Do they see the peace? Do they see these things in you? Are you growing? You want evidence that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? You want evidence? Look at your life, what Christ has done through the years. And if you're just recently a follower of Jesus Christ, be patient. Keep looking to Jesus. And I guarantee you, as you remain faithful, you'll be able to look back and see the fruit that's been growing on the tree that was never there to begin with. We're fruitful. And sometimes we look to others and we go, man, I wish I had that fruit. Man, I wish I had that gift. Man, I wish I was like them. I wish I was that kind of Christian when you should be grateful that you yourself can just bear fruit. What fruit is on your tree? What gifts have you been given to bear for his glory? And to be fruitful and to be faithful. So deeply rooted, firmly rooted, fruitful and faithful. Although everything around the tree is brown and dying, the tree keeps its leaves. Harsh conditions, and yet there's still leaves on the tree. Why? Because the roots go down deep and then out to the water. Continually nurtured, even in harsh conditions. Harsh conditions like Dimitri. When they say, we're going to kill you. And for all he knows, he's going to be killed for his faith. But did he stop? No, he praised God all the more. More leaves, more fruit. That's what happens to the true followers of Christ, the true blessed men. He prospers. 
because of the everlasting water. Just as Jesus told the woman at the well, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Your leaves will never wither. You will never be uprooted. You will have fruit that you never had before because of Christ. This is the Christ follower. This is the blessed man. This was spoken of a thousand years before Jesus came. And yet here we are 2,000 years later after Jesus came. So a 3,000 year gap here, and we're still talking about it. But yet there are some who are flourishing, but many more who are perishing. And what are they like? They're not like a tree. They're not firmly rooted. No, they are tossed everywhere. They're scattered. Their mind's here and then there. They don't, they don't know what to think about life. They don't even know why they're here sometimes. They're not firmly rooted. They're not fruitful for God's glory. They, they produce nothing, nothing of value to God. Nothing. And they're not faithful. I mean, they can come to church. They could sing a song. They could read scripture, but they're not faithful to God. And so what happens when challenges come? He's like chaff. He's rootless. He's fruitless. And he's careless with his life. He's blown to and fro. So which one are you? Are you the tree? Or are you the chaff? Do you trust in the blessed man, Jesus Christ? Because if you're the chaff, you will be blown away. But if you are a tree, you will remain. And finally, the end result right here. The blessed man. He stands because he belongs, because he is known. How do we know this? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The blessed man stands because of the righteousness of Christ. One day when he is before God, he will stand in Christ's righteousness. Why? Because he belongs to God. He is God's possession for God's purpose. This is the righteous man. This is the one who is flourishing. He belongs to the congregation of the righteous because he is known by his shepherd. Because he is a sheep. He has been planted by God. He's been planted there with a purpose. He's known by him. So he flourishes for all eternity. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is you, Christ follower. This is our hope. This is our courage. When all other things around us may grow dark, as things around us grow dark, yet this is the promise we stand upon. But for you today, the wicked man who are not in Christ, you will fall. You will not stand. You say, where will I fall? You will fall into the hands of an angry God. Why is he angry? He is angry at your sin. He's angry against the rebellion. And he will not have pity on you when it comes that time. He will not stop his judgment and give you another chance. You will fall into his hands. 
and his hands will not be comforting. They will not be tender. They will not protect you. But he will cast you into the eternal lake of fire. Because this is what the wicked man deserves. He will say, depart from me. I never knew you. The man who is perishing is not known by God. When he perishes, he will perish for all of eternity. Wicked man, you living on this earth, this is the best you will ever see. This is the most comfort that you will ever experience. This is the greatest happiness that you will ever have if you deny Christ. The worst is yet to come. Follower of Christ, this is the worst you will ever experience. This happiness pales in comparison to the happiness that you will have when you are before Christ. Your hope will be fulfilled. You will experience the greatest love for all of eternity. This is the worst that you will ever experience, Christ follower. Because your trust is in God's promises, and they will be fulfilled. So today, are you a follower of Christ? Are you flourishing? Are you under the blessed man? Or are you perishing? because you denied that Christ is the blessed man. Where are you today as you stand before God? If you are not a Christ follower, today I plead with you, repent and follow Christ. What does repentance look like? Confessing your sin. I am a wicked person. I have stood in the way of the wicked. I've sat with the sinners. I have scoffed at you, God. I have mocked you with my life. I have not trusted in Jesus, but today I trust in Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Will you make that good confession today? Be saved and follow Jesus. Make it right now. If you truly believe it, follow Christ. To the Christ follower today, if you really believe this message, as we've heard the question, who is the blessed man, that being Jesus, as we've looked at the comparison that we are trees and that there are many who are chaffed to be blown away and the end result is that we will stand but millions upon millions will fall. If you really believe this, this is the foundation for your life. It opens up the rest of Psalms for you to study, but it should change the way you live day in and day out. Are you sharing this good news? Because I'm going to challenge you with this. If you have been silent on this right here, I challenge you to look to Christ, to examine your heart. Do you really believe these things to be true? Or have you been captivated by the world and its wickedness? Or are you still holding on to those ways? Repent today, Christian. And be a bold witness. Fill up page after page after page of God's good word. Meditate on it day and night. Do not apologize for it. Do not stay quiet. Boldly go forth and proclaim it. Because it is only through the preaching of the word that man 
has an opportunity to repent and follow Christ only through the preaching of the word. Let us spread it this week. I hope you're flourishing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and ask now, Lord, that you would bless our response to the preaching of the word. Lord, as we look to the blessed man, Jesus Christ, that we can be blessed. Lord, I pray for those in this room that do not know Jesus, that today they would be Christ's followers. Save many, Lord. Save them. Lord, may they make the good confession and follow you.